0: Okay, we are live. Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On today's show, I have a very special guest, a returning guest. His name is John Hankey, and he's just finished a new documentary. The title of it is Breakthrough, JFK Murder Solved. He's been on my show a couple of times. We talked about his excellent series titled Dark Legacy. There's a part one and two. And then we went over another documentary titled Is Trump For Real? But uh, we're nearing the 60th anniversary of the day that JFK was killed by members in his own government so there's a lot to talk about so john hanky welcome back to the show
1: i'm so happy to be here i appreciate the opportunity
0: cool awesome so for people who may not have heard our earlier shows maybe you can just do an overview of your research and what led you up to this new film breakthrough
1: well i've been at it for 50 years um and i guess you don't need to go through all the zigs and zags that i've been through but um Probably 20 years ago, I'm driving down the street and I'm listening to a Pacifica radio station, and the guy mentions how the Nation magazine had printed this article by Joseph McBride, in which he cited a memo written by, signed and written by J. Edgar Hoover, five days after the assassination, describing how a the FBI had given a report to the CIA on the CIA's misguided anti-Castro Cubans. And in this memo, Hoover mentions down at the very bottom that this report was given to Mr. George Bush of the Central Intelligence Agency. And at the time um, that McBride saw this, Bush was vice president, was running for president, and no one had ever heard that he had been a member of the Central Intelligence Agency before, except for when he was the head of the Central Intelligence Agency. Anyhow, um, that set me, Bush said that it, it wasn't him that was being referred to. And this McBride, the guy, the author, um, investigated and found that, um, nope, that was him. And in addition to it, she asked Bush, well, where were you? <laughs> if if you weren't the guy who was going into FBI headquarters to?" to talk to them about their misguided anti-Castro Cubans, that is to say the Operation Mongoose people. Um, Where were you? And Bush says, uh, humana, 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 humana. I was somewhere in Texas. And he always claimed that he didn't have anything to do with the CIA before he was the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, so that. Um, I made this movie 2005, what is that? Uh, 18 years ago. Um, called it was originally called jfk2 the bush connection and has been um reissued with the name dark legacy but with a very essentially the same content what's happened in the last 10 years well i retired eight years ago and i had time to to dig and dig and dig and um i in that original video um which is as, as i say dark legacy you can find it on um, Amazon um, today. Netflix carried it for two years. Amazon had it for eight years. They just took it down this year to celebrate the 60th anniversary of, of Kennedy's assassination. Um, it mentions the fact that E. Howard Hunt, um, well, I should pause because I haven't introduced E. Howard Hunt whatsoever and if people don't know, um, Hunt was the head of the Watergate burglars. Hunt, in his autobiography, says that he was the head of the Western Division of the Central Intelligence Agency, but he was also the head of the Watergate burglars. And um, James Angleton, the head of CIA counterintelligence, had written a memo um, saying that Hunt was in Dallas and was involved in the Kennedy assassination and that this was going to come out, and he handed it to a couple of reporters, Joseph Trento being the most credible, but he also handed it to Vincent Marchetti, who had been Richard Helms's secretary and was working in alternative media. Joseph Trento was a very established senior reporter for um, the major newspaper in New Jersey. Um, and they both reported that Angleton had made this report that Hunt had been in Dallas and was involved in the assassination. And the CIA and Hunt sued Spotlight Magazine for slander. They didn't sue Joseph Trento because he was quite another matter. Um, But Mark Lane defended the Spotlight Magazine. And in doing that, so he called Joseph Trento. And Trento said, oh, yes, James Angleton handed me that memo. It was written by Angleton, and he handed it to me. Uh, what was going on at the time was that they were trying to pin the assassination on Angleton by bringing out the CIA made public um, at this time, at the, the time that the magazine uh, published the article. they uh, There must have been uh, the House Assassinations Committee probably Um, was calling witnesses and the CIA sent them somebody who said that Angleton had a, I believe it's a 201 file, which doesn't mean anything in particular, except that it means that it belonged to Angleton, that it was the, the 201 would have been a file that Angleton would keep on CIA employees because that was his job as counterintelligence. His job was to monitor and to catch CIA employees who were Acting as Russian agents, he was, um, they
0: say. Just for context, people think that Angleton that just whacked him out because of the whole affair in the UK, and it was what was the guy's name that was his friend who turned out to be a spy. But that was kind of Angleton? Like Yeah, Angleton was best friends with uh, uh, what's his name? What's the what's the main spy from the um, Cambridge Five? Right? Do you remember that story? I don't. <clears throat> okay. Uh, well, else. I,
1: I do know that they tar Angleton because Angleton was they paint him as being super paranoid and there was some very high level Soviet defector and Angleton had the guy they, they held him in prison and tortured him for I think years and really it, because Angleton assumed that and, and couldn't be convinced otherwise that the guy had been sent over to become a mole No, it was Kim Um,
0: Philby. Kim Philby was his buddy, was his best friend, who turned out to be a mole.
1: So it drove
0: Angleton insane. And Philby was like hanging out at his house and getting drunk with him, his wife, when he was assigned in in D.C. So Angleton became super paranoid.
1: And I've actually had
0: Joseph McBride on my show like three times. I got to call him back. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, he's great. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. you gotta go through my catalog. He's been on three times. Yeah.
1: No kidding. Twice Um, about JFK. That's very, very exciting and interesting. Anyhow, um, you see, I it's not my take that um, Angleton was insane or paranoid Well, he was paranoid because he he was seeing the truth, which is that I mean, and then that's one of the things that comes out in this, the video breakthrough. One of the breakthroughs is putting together the dots. Not right. I mean, originally, 20 years ago, I had said that Hunt, who there's just a mountain of evidence that Hunt was the Knoll shooter, that he was arrested behind the grassy Knoll in the railroad yard. His son looked at the photographs of the tramps who had been taken off a, a freight car in the railroad yard and then marched to the police station. His son looked at those photos and said, oh, my God, that's my dad. Um, and Jack Anderson had 3M had the 3 Ms specialty company that that does photo analysis looked at the photos and said yeah that's e Howard hunt and on and on um one of the things and-
0: about hunt that was very distinctive you talk about his ears but when you look at him straightforward <laughs> forward he almost has elfin ears like he's from the Lord of the Rings or something okay. and that covered it up too so. well
1: <laughs> thank you for that I'm, I'm anyway the point is that hunt during the trial, right during the 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 slander trial, testified that he worked for Harriman. And that's in my original video. Bush's father worked for Harriman. Bush's father, Prescott, almost went to prison in 1942 because he was the CEO of um, Union Bank of New York, which the FBI seized as a Nazi asset well, Many, many people know that. That's that's a splash headline that Prescott had been the CEO of this Nazi bank. What doesn't get enough ink or attention is the fact that Harriman owned the bank. Uh, Prescott had one share, Harriman had 4,000 shares, and it was a Nazi bank. So I got to go down the, that road, and that's one of the perhaps arguably the most important thing in this video, but um, there's lots and lots and lots of stuff. I mean, it's called Breakthrough for a reason, and we have time to to hit several of those nails on the head um, as to why it's called Breakthrough, but one of the breakthroughs is me having the time to explore Harriman and discover that... So Hunt worked for Harriman. Bush worked for Harriman. There's all... The Steely Plaza was full of people from Operation Mongoose. Marita Lorenz is one of the most famous, and Mar- Marita Lorenz wrote a book, and she's also very uh, prominently featured in the story of the Spotlight Magazine trial, uh, where she was also called as a witness and said, yes, all of these Mongoose people were in Dealey Plaza. They had driven to Dallas with in two station wagons full of men and guns, and Hunt walked into the room the motel room where they were staying and started passing out maps and money. Jack Ruby was there and Oswald was there, says Marita Lorenz, who I find to be a very credible witness, as did Mark Lane. Um, All of those guys worked for um, Bissell, Richard Bissell. Well, Richard Bissell was Averill Harriman's right hand. He was his other, he was his left hand, I suppose, if if um, Prescott Bush was his right, Bissell was his left, in any case, everybody involved in the assassination is connected to Harriman. So then I get the chance, all right, I have a a minute, let's look at Harriman. And I was just startled. Harriman, his his financial institution, his primary financial institution was Brown Brothers Harriman. And so in the video, you get to see that Brown Brothers was in the United States in 18, in the early 1800s, I think even the late 1700s, and they were dominant, right? I mean, they, they were valued at like six percent of total assets in the colonies, right? They're pretty sizable. Um, and they were taken over in, I believe it's 1837 by the Bank of England, right? They were, they were on the verge of bankruptcy and they were rescued, which is to say they were taken over by the Bank of England. That's on their website. I went to the Brown Brothers Harriman website and it's on their website. They're bragging that in 1837, they were taken over by the Bank of England. Well, that's fairly reliable, right? I think we can we can accept as given that Brown Brothers Harriman was an asset of the Bank of England. Well, you find out, and in fact, it's notorious that in 1825, um, Nathan Rothschild took over the Bank of England so that you can draw a big, fat, fat black and white line from the Rothschilds to Harriman to the Kennedy assassination. Now, all of my life. I'm 71 years old and I've been a student of history since I've been serious. I started doing serious research in the seventh grade. And I've always regarded the people who made charges against the Rothschilds as full of beans. That is to say that they'd make these completely unfounded charges and they never bothered to try to substantiate anything. And I always regarded it as stupid and ridiculous. And then I come to find out there it is, right? I mean, it's, Two degrees of separation, black and white, Uh, no no dispute about any of those facts that that the Rothschilds owned the Bank of England or that the Bank of England owned Brown Brothers Harriman or that Brown Brothers Harriman owned Harriman.
0: What's the Rothschild motive then? What do you think that they, why would they want to be involved in this?
1: Well, thank you. Very good. Which brings us to really one of the major breakthroughs, right? in this movie called Breakthrough is that uh, Professor Galbraith, he's the son of John Kenneth Galbraith, he's a major figure in American economics and he it, has a chair at the University of Texas Austin and he told me, I went to his house and interviewed him on camera <clears throat> and he told me the story of how one of the leading authorities among in the prof- in the historian world, 200,000 documents had been declassified on the same day. And so this particular individual who's, I don't know if, if Galbraith mentions, mentioned his name, I didn't note it, had 200,000 documents that he was supposed to review. And so he went around passing out cardboard boxes to people that he regarded as reputable And he handed a box to Galbraith and Galbraith is going through it and he finds a memo written by the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff under Kennedy, Maxwell Taylor. And in this memo dated October 6th, Maxwell Taylor says to the Joint Chiefs, Kennedy has ordered that we begin planning today for the complete withdrawal of all U.S. personnel from Vietnam by the end of calendar 1965. That's that is I'm sorry. In, in the memo, he says this is from the trip report. And in the movie JFK, Mr. X, which is Colonel Fletcher Proudy, describes how Kennedy developed this plan. He sent McNamara and Taylor to Vietnam in the end of September, the very end of September. 63, and while they were gone, he called in General Krulak and ordered General Krulak to write their trip report, and Krulak recruited Prouty to write the trip report, and while the, and the direction was the trip report would recommend the complete withdrawal of all U.S. forces from Vietnam by the end of 65, and in the movie, Mr. X, and Prouty, if you find him talking about it, They prepared the trip report. I don't know how many pages, big fat thing, red leather cover, and they flew it into Hawaii. and, And when Taylor and McNamara landed in Hawaii, they were handed this trip report and they were ordered to be familiar with it and to present it as their own. And they flew back into D.C. and they did present it as their own. And so two things. Galbraith found this memo that establishes that Kennedy had made that decision, that all troops would be out by the end of 65. <coughs> and the memo says that it, this language is taken from the trip report. Well, if you find the trip report, that language is not in there. It has been removed. But Proudy says he put it in there. Taylor says it was in there. It has been removed. So why did they kill them? The Rothschilds are big pharma. The Rothschilds are the military industrial complex. They are the international military industrial complex. They own the military manufacturing in England and France and Italy and Germany and the United States, and they profit from all of it. Of course, they go to great lengths to hide that fact, but I'm here to allege it, and in any case, why did you? <laughs> why did they kill him? That's the reason that they killed him. Um, because he you was stopping the money
0: flow, stopping the money flow of war. Oh, absolutely.
1: Oh, oh, you have no idea, and, and it's in, it's in the, the first five minutes of the video. Um is Kennedy speaking at the United Nations, and this is just extraordinary. Um, I'm going to have a sip.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting because you show he's not even talking Mm. about peace. He's talking about total disarmament, right?
1: Complete. All weapons and all armies. That is an exact quote. You get to see him say it. That, I mean, the thing is, right, in the missile crisis, Kennedy and Khrushchev both realized this is not the way to go. <laughs> the way that we're going, the way that we're operating, is we have come within a hair's breadth of just of killing everybody in the northern hemisphere, certainly, and maybe everybody on the planet. Um, and so, this confrontational approach has to be abandoned. And you know it's a very, very famous speech from from Kennedy's speech at the American University a few weeks before, that the Russians and the Americans both value their children's future, and we on that basis we should be able to negotiate peace, says Kennedy. Well, if you can negotiate nuclear weapons, says Kennedy to himself, why can't you negotiate all weapons? And you know we're taking. We're taking food from the mouths of hungry children in this country because we don't have the money. Well, if we stopped spending money on weapons, imagine the good things that we could do for the population. So you get to hear this Kennedy speech, which says that we are in negotiations today with the Russians to begin step by step the negotiated settlement that will be required to eliminate all weapons and all armies well they killed him and do you know jeffrey Sachs?
0: It sounds familiar,
1: that name it, sounds familiar. He, oh he's a big time columbia professor and and you know we could spend 20 minutes talking about him and the the stuff that he's done the lancet hired him to head their investigation into the origins of covid and he had an article in the atlantic in which he said COVID originated in American labs. So on the one hand, he's a big name professor in in Columbia. He's a big name in the United Nations. And he was a big name at the Lancet. And he says COVID originated in American labs. So he's a rather astounding astounding and astonishing truth teller. But he's running around right now because he was a huge big shot um, in Boris Yeltsin's among Boris Yeltsin's economic advisors. And he has friends among the entire leadership of NATO. Of the, I don't want to say NATO, I want to say the Western countries, right? That France and Italy and, and Germany and so on. And he knew the people who were trying to negotiate a peace in Ukraine immediately after the Russian so called invasion. Um And they were getting along fine. And they they were on the verge of declaring a ceasefire and a peace when the U.S. intervened and told Zelensky, stop it. No more negotiations. We don't want peace. We don't want a negotiated settlement. We want war. And we're going to have it. And Sachs looks at that and says, geez, look at what this is doing to everybody's economy in Western Europe. This is terrible for everybody in Western Europe, who is it good for? Ooh, ooh, ooh! I know, I know, I know. The military-industrial complex, and 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 Sachs uses that term to describe who is the sole beneficiary from the war in Ukraine, and it's his only possible explanation. I mean, are these people insane? Why are they? Why why can they not be relied upon to act in their own interests? Well, it, it's either because they're insane or because they are the military industrial complex, because the the war machine, the arms manufacturers are the sole beneficiaries of the war in Ukraine. Well, they were the sole beneficiaries of the war in Vietnam. They were the sole beneficiaries of the war in Vietnam. I'll mention, I mentioned him in the video and You get to see his his face and you get to see his book. Uh, Archimedes Patty was the head of the, at the time there was no CIA, it was called the OSS, right, Office of Secret Service. He was the head of the OSS in Southeast Asia. They sent him to recruit Ho Chi Minh to help them fight the Japanese, and he did, and he and Ho Chi Minh were very, very social. Ho Chi Minh, he says, brought him Ho Chi, brought him his declaration of independence for Patty to read um, because he quoted Thomas Jefferson and he wanted to make sure that the right life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. The point is that Patty says that all of the intelligence people knew that the French didn't have a chance in Vietnam. The French intelligence people knew that the French didn't have a chance in Vietnam. And the U.S. intelligence people knew that the U.S. didn't have a chance in Vietnam. And in January, I believe, of 1963, Kennedy dis- decided that the U.S. didn't have a chance in Vietnam. And it took him 10 months to issue the order to the Joint Chiefs that we're going to have everybody out. Uh, and a week later, they hired Oswald at the Book Depository so um, if you don't have a question I want to move on to the Zapruder film
0: please do please continue
1: well so breakthrough right Um, so this discovery of the Maxwell Taylor memo that shows beyond I mean absolutely the most concrete evidence you could possibly ask for demonstrating that Kennedy planned to have everybody out of Vietnam by the end of 65 ah that's a breakthrough. Let me mention, by the way, I mean, Ken Burns, I love Ken Burns. his documentary on jazz, his documentary on Kennedy in Vietnam is a monstrosity because you see there's this memo, but, and it's in the video, there's like eight of Kennedy's advisors who all acknowledged that decision, that that decision had been made. Um, and they said so. And they, you know, they wrote it in their books. But um, you can ignore that, I suppose. I'm sorry if I just touched my mic. You can ignore that. Um, oh, you know, the, the Roger Hillsman or, or McNamara, for that matter, um, say that Kennedy had made this decision. Yeah, well, maybe their recollections are faulty or whatever. That's their interpretation and that's the axe they're grinding. But then you have this memo from Maxwell Taylor. Well, there's, that's not subject to interpretation. It's as clear as it could possibly be. So, um, another breakthrough I feel is that the four motorcycle cops who were accompanying Kennedy's limousine have been interviewed and they're on tape, audio tape, saying that the limousine stopped. The two most famous witnesses on the grass next to the limousine, Gene Hill and Malcolm Summers, have both said that the limousine stopped. Senator Yarborough, who was 30 feet behind Kennedy, wrote in his Warren Commission affidavit that the limousine stopped. He was furious. You can read the fury in the affidavit, but uh, Geraldo Rivera interviewed him, and in the interview, he's, he's livid describing how the limousine stopped for six seconds. It doesn't stop for six seconds in the Zapruder film. It doesn't slow down a bit in the Zapruder film. It continues at the solid same rate going down Elm Street throughout the Zapruder film. Well, what? <laughs> and, yeah, well, you, I, I don't know about people in your audience, but I was 20 years old when I saw the Zapruder film, and I went down to the LA Public Library the next day and got out every book they had on the Kennedy assassination. And then and, and I, I went and I did a lecture at UCLA. I did a lecture at UC Santa Cruz. Right? My career began watching the Zapruder film, and I come to find out that this film has been very, very fundamentally altered, however... The reason that the film, and let me say, I suspect Mark Lane is the guy who illegally made copies. He got the copy from Garrison, the attorney in the movie JFK. And Mark Lane made copies and he sent them to everybody he could think of who made copies and sent them to everybody they could think of. And one of those found its way into my hands and I saw it anyhow um <clears throat> because it shows backward into the left it shows that kennedy was shot from the front and well is that a fraud well no because all of the doctors in dallas say that kennedy had two entrance wounds one in his throat and one on the right temple and he had a giant exit wound in the back of his head. Well, that's a shot from the, that's two shots from the front. But the fatal shot, clearly, right, small entrance wound on the right temple and a huge exit wound, fist-sized exit wound in the back of his head. 100% of the Dallas doctors say that, by the way. And it's very brave of them. And in fact, there's a, there's a new movie called um jfk what the doctor saw and it's on paramount plus we haven't talking talked to yet.
0: him next week i'm talking to that uh that guy next week His oh no is
1: kidding there. matt <laughs> crumpton
0: yeah monday oh. live at one
1: we haven't told people where they can get my video are we going to do that
0: okay. yeah absolutely but we're not done yet though you got well, you got
1: <laughs> we we can tell we're them working up,
0: we're working up to that point tell them where they can find your videos
1: Oh my videos well on darkroom.film darkroom.film you can find most of my videos i have a a youtube channel that youtube takes down whenever the hell they want they've taken it down i don't know how many times um but if if it's up when you go to look you may be able to find it they also make it so that you can type in the name of my video and it won't come up that's that's one of google's favorites and you write you type in my name and the name of the video in quotes and it doesn't come up Um, you can see a four-minute trailer on Vimeo for free, and for 99 cents, you can watch it, and I think it's four dollars to download it. Um, I would recommend, oh, if you want to do me a huge favor, go to Amazon and buy the DVD. Now, the reason you want to buy the DVD is because they're going to take it down eventually, right? I mean, my, my original videos were on prime for eight years and they just took them down to, to commemorate the 60th anniversary so i think this is something that you want to have a hard copy of on your bookshelf and if you google how do i how do i transfer a dvd to my computer it'll tell you and it's very 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 simple you open up the dvd and you pull out the the correct file and stick it in your hard drive and it'll play like it'll play as if it were a, a dvd you know come so it's a you get to steal it with zero loss of quality, right? You have 100% of the quality. So shall we move on? Um,
0: no, but it is interesting. Your folks, Dark lake I mean, your films, Dark Legacy 1 and 2, they were edited and snippeted back in the day and were bouncing around kind of the early internet, like YouTube, five-minute parts here and there. I remember just seeing them all the time or people sharing them. And that, oh, right. it's all been sanitized. It's like, all it's been all sanitized. Up, yeah. So but oh yeah no, it, like back I in 2008 know. 2009 like 15 years ago you were one of the early guys talking about it because I that's when I watched dark legacy was back in the day and you're the only one talking about bush you know senior and all the, all of his involvement and that stuff uh, but it's all been it's all been cleansed it's all been carnivore i don't know if you remember that uh that program that bush came up with back in the day before 2008 but it's just like you can find they they can Carnivore, not just on title or content, just on small little things. It's amazing. It's become more sophisticated on YouTube as well.
1: So is everybody ready to get sophisticated? Um, it, um Is that the Let's one that it. mentioned Bush Sr. involved in JFK? Yes. Dark Legacy is the first one. Dark Legacy 2 is about the murder of John Kennedy Jr. You didn't know John Kennedy Jr. was murdered, but if you watched... Dark Legacy 2, you will now know that John Kennedy Jr. was murdered. Um, Anyhow, I I wanted to name this Dark Legacy 3, and somebody talked me out of it. Um, Question. In, In the video, I show you that it took me 10 hours to take this Zapruder film and to change the motion of Kennedy's body from backward and to the left from forward and to the right indicating that he was shot from the rear it took me 10 hours and you know you just cut out the the body from each uh frame and then reverse the order of those bodies and it changes the movement they hid the fact that the secret service were involved in killing kennedy to the extent that they parked in front of the grassy knoll and waited for the kill shot and didn't move until it happened but they left in the shot from the front. <laughs> How do you explain that? Any, anybody out there have an explanation? Well, you know, I had, I had five years at least to think about it. And after thinking about it for five years, it, I recognized that the reason that, and, and then they released it. You can't get Oswald's W-2 forms, but you could get this bloody video of the assassination. <laughs> can somebody explain that? Ooh, I can. They released the video of the assassination because it that's a psyop, right? It's a psychological attack on your your consciousness showing you this video because they want you to blame Johnson and the Warren Commission. It exposes Johnson and the Warren Commission as being liars. So, um I vote that we talk about Johnson for a minute and then go on to the shooters. Yeah, Um, I'm open. Okay, good. Um, Now, I'm 71. I got chased and gassed and clubbed and arrested protesting against the Vietnam War. I got drafted and I refused to go. Um, I was facing prison, but they gave me an alternative service and I got to do public service for practically $200 a month instead of going into the military. Um, the point is that if I hear Johnson speaking about Vietnam today, I get viscerally ill, physically ill. It, it's right. It's I'm conditioned to hate that guy. And, in addition to which, when I saw the Zapruder film, I then, you know, as I mentioned, I went down to the library and I got everything that anybody had written, it, it, which was mainly Mark Lane and Jim Garrison at that point. Um, but there were people who mentioned, and the movie JFK mentions, and the movie JFK is just, I, I take my hat off to Oliver Stone. That movie is so good in so many ways. The part about Johnson is terrible. It's so wrong. After Kennedy was buried, the Kennedy was buried in the morning on Sunday. And in the afternoon, Johnson had a meeting with his national security council and he handed them national security action memorandum, two seven, three N S a M two seven, three. And I had, people, and, and Stone is one of them who will tell you that in that document lay the Vietnam War. That's an exact quote from the movie JFK, and it's the opposite of the truth. In that document, Johnson says that he hereby endorses Kennedy's October 6th plans for withdrawal. <laughs> right, right, right the, the, the Maxwell Taylor memo that Professor Galbraith found is October 6th. So it's very, very, very explicit in endorsing Kennedy's plans to get out of Vietnam. Now, Johnson was sitting next to Yarborough. Johnson saw the limousine stop and wait for the kill shot. Johnson got a, a phone call from the next morning. McCone calls him up, the head of the CIA and says, "Oswald was working for the Russians. We have a tape." Of Oswald at the Cuban embassy talking to a Russian commissar about killing Kennedy. And 20 minutes later, and this is all in the government record, 20 minutes later, and at the Johnson Library, 20 minutes later, Hoover calls Johnson and says, the CIA is lying to you. I have the tape, says Hoover. That is not Oswald on the tape. It's very clearly not Oswald on the tape. They have photographs, the the guy in there photographs is very clearly not Oswald so that Johnson knew that the CIA was involved in Kennedy's murder the morning after the assassination. He knew that the CIA, I'm sorry, that the Secret Service was involved in Kennedy's murder um, the minute of the assassination. Uh, he knew he got a report from Hoover that the military had taken over the autopsy and had not only banned the doctors from probing Kennedy's throat wound, but they, the FBI reported that Kennedy's body had been altered, that his wounds had been altered before he showed up on the operating table. The FBI is re- reporting this to Johnson. So Johnson knows that that the military was involved in killing Kennedy. He knows that the CIA and the Secret Service were involved in killing Kennedy. On a flight from Dallas to DC, McGeorge Bundy, Kennedy's national security advisor, gets on the intercom and announces that there was a lone assassin and the individual is in custody at the simultaneously the Dallas police are saying that there were multiple shooters and they're going to catch them all so that um, Vince Salandria, if people know that Vince Salandria is the first guy to to say this, but so let me not try to claim to be original with this insight. That Bundy is telling everybody on that plane, there has been a coup and I'm a spokesman for the the killers and we are in charge, and you are not. And this is Friday, Saturday, two days later. Johnson confronts these people and hands them NSA two seven three, saying, "We are there are no changes to Kennedy's plans to withdraw." Now, um, I'll try to wrap this up a, a little bit on Johnson. The, everybody's sort of the Gulf of Tonkin, I presume. And I flew into D.C. and interviewed a 94-year-old guy who was there. He was the State Department <clears throat> intelligence representative. And he was there. And he describes to me how they come walking into the room to tell Johnson about this attack. And Johnson is laughing. And they tell him that these two tiny little boats fired on a U.S. destroyer. Well, the U.S. destroyer has a range that is five miles greater than the range of these boats. And the <laughs> The destroyer opened up on them when they were still five miles away from being able to get a shot off that would be able to reach the destroyers. They tell him, Johnson, there's been an attack on a U.S. destroyer. And Johnson says, now, who the hell would want to do a damn fool thing like that? And they tell him, oh, yeah, it was the Vietnamese. And Johnson looks Cyrus Vance dead in the eye and says, we weren't up to any mischief out there, were we? And Vance says, hummina, hummina, hummina. And Johnson says, 34A. And Vance says, oh, you know about that. <laughs> and says, well, yeah, we, we, we kind of provoked it. Uh, and we, we got them, we, we zoomed in and fired on their, their um, station. And then we zoomed out into the water hoping that they would follow us. And they did follow us. And then we turned around and went charging at them and fired on them. Vance probably didn't say all of that. But Johnson, in any case, Johnson says, okay, so we started it and I'm not doing anything. You want me to bomb the hell out of Vietnam and North Vietnam and send troops. And I'm not doing any of that. I'm not even filing a protest with the North Vietnamese (laughs) Vietnamese government about that. Um, So my point is that, well, and, and in 1961, Kennedy sent Johnson to Vietnam, and it's in the video. You get to see the document. Johnson came home and wrote a memo to everybody saying, under no circumstances should we send troops to South Vietnam. And Kennedy, from the minute he became president, was under enormous pressure to send it's in the video, I think 300,000 troops to Vietnam from the minute that Kennedy died, Johnson was under constant pounding from these the guys who had killed Kennedy and Johnson was supposed to know it, that he should send troops and he should start bombing the hell out of North Vietnam. And he resisted them for 15 months on Christmas, which would have been, I don't know, 65, I'm guessing. Maybe it was Christmas of '64. Um, Maxwell Taylor, who is now the U.S. ambassador to South Vietnam, writes Johnson a letter saying, "Oh yeah, I mean, you know, we need to bomb these guys and send troops." And John, because they have blown up one of our bases, and Johnson writes back and says, "I'm not going to get us involved in a major war because you guys can't defend your own bases." And in the movie, it shows how Ply coup, the New York Times is saying things in their coverage of the attack on Ply Koo. The New York Times mentions that the the carriers that launched the attacks in retaliation for the attack on the U.S. base at Ply were in position before the attacks occurred. There's a memo from Maxwell Taylor saying that Bundy's plan for retaliation was written the day before the attacks and on and on and on. I mean, it it couldn't be more clear, couldn't possibly be more more obvious that Ed Lansdale who was photographed in Dealey Plaza and who who was the author of Operation Northwoods suggesting that they should blow a plane full of students in order to justify a, a war on Cuba Lansdale was in Vietnam blowing up American soldiers and blaming it on the Vietnamese. He's famous for having done that in the marketplace in Saigon. The movie, the quiet American is about Lansdale setting off car bombs in the marketplace in Saigon and blaming it on the North Vietnamese in order to justify an American escalation. So His Sorry, name, I his, it. I, I, I his other nickname
0: was the Ugly American, too. that's a whole nother That's a whole another interview, but I've done it, some interviews on Lansdale. I'm very familiar with his uh, hijinks in in the Philippines too, before Vietnam.
1: Okay, very good. Now, um, the point is that, well, I guess I said it right that that Johnson is telling a guy who he knows is one of the leaders of the Kennedy assassination. I'm not sending troops. You can blow up all the soldiers you want. I'll start, we will get rid of all the bases, Johnson says, and we'll have the planes on carriers. If you can't defend the bases, we won't have any bases. We'll have the planes on carriers, but I'm not gonna start a war because you can't defend your own bases. And then Johnson suddenly after 15 months of getting pounded that he should bomb and send troops, One day he changes his mind and in the um, video, you get to see the report of one of the advisors who was not, not one of the killers, but one of the people who was in the administration who saw Johnson the day that he made that decision and who describes him as just a broken man. And this is in the video. Professor Galbraith works at the University of Texas, which is where the Johnson Library is. And he would very often run into, and the name is escaping me, but it's in the video, the guy who's done three biographies of Johnson, right, about 1,200
0: pages. Corso, corso, Corsi?
1: No, no, no. Philip Corso? Good guess. Um, It doesn't matter. But Galbraith would see this guy, and they became very friendly, and You know, the guy doesn't know anybody on campus. It'd be now he knows Galbraith. So he would drop into Galbraith's office on a fairly regular basis. And he drops in one day and says, I just saw a memo from the CIA telling Johnson that Castro was going to shoot down his family's plane and kill his wife and kids. Well, this is the same CIA who told Johnson that Oswald had killed Kennedy. And Johnson knows that Kennedy got killed. And the message to Johnson is Kennedy got killed. You and your wife and kids are going to get killed. We're going to blame it on Cubans and use it to justify a war if you don't start sending troops and bombing. And Johnson sends 30,000 troops the next day and begins bombing. And that's the society that we live in, ladies and gentlemen. Your current president of the United States knows that if he doesn't follow orders, he's a dead man. And Obama said that he was afraid of getting assassinated. I think if you're Bush, will you take you take orders from the killers so that you, I don't think Bush the Bush is worried so much about being assassinated because they, you know, <laughs> they get handed the orders and just, you know, pass it on to the sign and pass it on. Um, Robert
0: Carroll was his name. Robert Carroll.
1: Yes. Is that okay. The name you of um, I'm not sure. Um, and I apologize. <laughs> anyway, um, Carroll wrote several books um, on Johnson, and I have read them. And he started off hating Johnson. I I taught in L.A. Unified Schools for 30 years. I taught the most economically disadvantaged kids for 30 years i taught the kids whose neighborhoods were being flooded with crack by the cia for 30 years and when i read the story about johnson's history he's a teacher i'm sorry i'm really 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 sympathetic and Carroll, after writing two volumes he started off really antagonistic and after going through all this stuff by by his third volume he's he's become a believer and he's now much much more sympathetic to Johnson this is we're talking about nothing let's talk about shooters yeah unless you want to
0: yeah let's do it yeah let's do it shooters
1: all right well so um Hunt was the first guy right um Angleton wrote this memo and Mark Lane and Dick Gregory got their hands on it and or you know they read the Spotlight magazine they read Trento's story, and they were going around the country showing pictures of the tramps, saying, "Angleton says this is Hunt." And I told you the story about Hunt's son looks up and sees a, a poster Saint of the John, picture. Saint
0: John Hunt, I think. Yes, He's still around. He does interviews. Yeah.
1: Yes, um, and he says that he looked up and he did a a double take. You know, a cartoon double take, eyes bulging and mouth open. That, that that's my dad. And 3M says that that's Hunt, and Hunt, in his first autobiography, published a picture showing him working as a sniper in China during World War II. Well, that's not in his next two autobiographies. He decided it uh, wasn't a good idea, perhaps, to uh, to publicize that. So he stopped publicizing that. He anyway, said
0: that. I think he himself said he killed 20 people, something
1: like that. Um, he told that to. Who's the big piece of crap from the Watergate burglars? G. Gordon Liddy. He told that to Liddy, and Liddy published it <clears throat> that he had killed 20 people. And I suspect he told Liddy that he'd killed Kennedy. Um, Nixon. This is according to Haldeman. Nixon told the FBI, You can't investigate Hunt. You're going to uncover the whole Bay of Pigs thing. So. It seems fairly clear that well, he's a really, really prime guy, but let's move on because when, when you have the collection in hand, right? When you put those accusations in the context of Bush, Bush said that he, he couldn't remember where he was, but there's an FBI memo that says that he called the FBI the day of the assassination and told them that he was in Dallas. Okay. That's, You know, Uh, uh, that's really incriminating that one that you, you're the only person in the United States of America who I can take you to and show you the desk I was sitting in in sixth grade when the principal came to the door and announced that Kennedy had been shot and came back 20 minutes later, sobbing, saying that, uh, (laughs) I mean, I'm still moved by it saying that Kennedy was dead. Anyway, um, everybody can, right. I tell you that story and I'm, I'm, Move to breaking up about I remember it. Remember
0: where I was when they when the Challenger blew up. Like they well, for example, right? And saw that. That's another big. Me turn. too. 9/11,
1: 9/11. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. But so John Bush doesn't remember. Right. <laughs> but the, the FBI on does. Yeah, he's
0: the only one on earth.
1: The F, but the FBI remembers, <laughs> and if they forget, that doesn't matter because they wrote a memo about it. The, the guy's name is Kitchell. If you Google Kitchell and Bush, it'll you'll bring up the memo. Um, and Bush, his CIA cover was that he was an independent oil man from Houston. That was his CIA cover. Um, there's all sorts of evidence showing that he was working for Operation Mongoose in the Caribbean. Um, from jeez, I, I, well, probably from the shortly after the Cuban Revolution. Um,
0: They were all involved. You could almost say the JFK assassination <laughs> was Operation Mongoose because they were all oh, absolutely pissed. They were all, they were all
1: super well. Rude. Well, the thing was is, no, no, there's a personal
0: for people who don't know this. Uh, Howard Hunt was instrumental in putting together the Bay of Pigs operation, so he knew all those guys that got sent in there with no air cover and got blown away. So the ones that survived were angry, they were at a personal. They saw people die because of Kennedy's decision, the assumed decision not to help or whatever, which is a whole other show. it's in
1: the video, but we're, we're getting off the topic and maybe that's appropriate. It's in the video, so please do watch it. The government documents show that the CIA brought the plan for the Bay of Pigs to Kennedy, and Kennedy said, oh, hell no. Oh, no, 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 no. If you want to put some guys in a rowboat and sneak them over in the dead of night in a rowboat, that's fine. But no D-Day style invasion. And in the video, I take the type of ships and the number of ships that were at the Bay of Pigs and put them in a video. And it's absolutely incredible. There's there's like 34 Navy ships. I don't know if you've ever seen a Navy ship, but they. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Uh, when they're sitting in the water, if you happen to see one, it happened to me once that there was one that pulled into Santa Barbara It pulled off the shore of Santa Barbara. And it's, it's like one of the channel islands. It's it, right. These things are the size of a large Huge, Island. Yeah. Huge, yeah. And there were 34 of them at the Bay of pigs, no D-Day style invasion. You, you can put in a rowboat. So <clears throat> the thing is that they, well, we're talking about it. And so let's talk about it. The, um, it's an important topic. And, we can deal with the shooters, I think, in fairly short order, but um, Kennedy and Castro both were planning to try to make peace with each other when Kennedy was elected, and they had to sabotage that. Immediately after the Bay of Pigs, Kennedy ordered Robert to, to, to attend. He, or he called Maxwell Taylor. Maxwell Taylor had been retired because he wasn't enough of a fascist. And Kennedy called him out of retirement and gave him a star. So he's now five stars, which means he outranks everybody in the military. Nobody can refuse to answer his questions because they have, you know, because a a superior told them not to. Nobody is a superior to Taylor. And Taylor calls all of these guys in and and he and Robert Kennedy question them. And one of the things that is outstanding about it is that Robert Kennedy interrupts the Secretary of the Navy and says, wait a minute, Castro had an army of 170,000 trained people, and you're sending 1,400 guys to the beach. How the hell could you possibly think that that was going to succeed? And clearly, they didn't think it was going to succeed. It couldn't possibly have succeeded in doing anything except destroying Kennedy and Castro's plans to make peace which it did magnificently the bay of pigs was not a failure it was a success it right it brought the the u.s and russia to the brink of nuclear war which i suppose was certainly they wanted to destroy the peace process and they were very 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 successful in that anyhow um let's talk about the dealy plaza and who was there yeah how much time do we have as much as you want oh no kidding Oh, all right. Well then, <laughs> you may you may oh, want to take that we're back. At 56. In, we're at fifty six. We're at fifty six. I, I 56 see that minutes. you may want to take that back in an hour or two. But well, you got
0: to save something for people to go and watch your film. Let's let's just oh no, I do Let's do
1: the no, shooters, oh, do no, the
0: shooters and then we are gonna wrap it up.
1: Um, I have a, well,
0: I have another two hour interview in about two hours. So
1: <laughs> all right. So have mercy on your soul. Um, where were we? The <sighs> Frank Sturgis is a name that may be familiar to people. He was one of the most famous of the Operation Mongoose people. And he told Marita Lorenz, come on to... She told him when when uh, Hunt left the room, it was clear to her that they were going to be k- killing Kennedy. And she said, I don't want anything to do with this. Get me out of here. And she ended up going to the airport and flying back to Miami. And um, But Sturgis, she says, told her, listen, this is nothing. There's no risk. We are just going to be um I want to say, I, I'm some sort of what what do you call a duck? it. We're, oh. we're, we're there to be straw men. We're there to attract the attention of the FBI. We're not gonna do anything. Our job is to be there and to attract the attention of the FBI and to get called in for questioning tomorrow. And we didn't do anything. We're innocent. They can't put anything on us. We're not going to be doing that. And the Mongoose people were absolutely notorious. Um, The Mongoose never had a plan of terrorist attack that the Cubans weren't waiting for right they were completely infiltrated they blabbed their mouths constantly they couldn't keep a secret to save their lives and they were not going to be trusted to be firing shots at the president and they couldn't hire a professional shooter because every professional shooter understood that if they took that job they would be murdered that night and would certainly not see the sun come up the following morning so that they had to get the head of the cia western division hunt to be on the knoll now they the deputy of the year um in dallas in 1962 was roger craig and roger craig wrote an article it's on ratville.com um it's in any case if you get the video you, if you and, and this is a real hot tip for your audience. If you see something on the screen of a video, a newspaper article, hit pause, copy it down, and Google, copy down five words and Google it, and you'll be able to find the original if it exists, If it right? If it's a bona fide document, you'll be able to find the original. So, um,
0: yeah, Roger Craig, who uh, suspiciously eventually died. <laughs> I think there were like two attempts on his life. Oh, he was life. shot.
1: He was murdered, shot on a street he, plane. Uh
0: George Bush's political career de- depended on him getting shot, is my understanding.
1: Well, Roger Craig tells the story and wrote it and published it, that his uncle was a detective, Detective Vaughn. And, you know, you don't get to be a detective by being an idiot. You get to be a detective by being the best of the patrolmen. And Vaughn was in Dealey Plaza, as was Roger Craig and Vaughn was in front of or he went walking by the Daltex building and the crowd was just extremely agitated and they grabbed Vaughn and they handed him this guy and said this guy came running out of the building shots were fired from that, that building this guy came running out of the building look at his face he looks guilty as hell you need to arrest him and Vaughn said all right and he grabbed the guy and he's walking into the police station and on the way across the street the Vaughn says, so what are you doing in, in Dealey Plaza? What are you doing in, in Dallas? And the, the guy says, oh, I'm an independent oil operator from Houston. There are not two people in the CIA who have a cover of being an independent oil operator from Houston. He spoke, the Bush spoke the night before to an association of independent oil contractors, and he spoke as an independent oil contractor from Houston. That almost undoubtedly was Bush. It, it's you can't come up with a reasonable explanation for how that could have possibly been anybody else. There right. is video. It's in the National Geographic <laughs> DVD. The National Geographic is being promoted on Hulu right, right now, which is with this lone nut garbage poison. I mean, single bullet theory and all, right? All this. No,
0: no, they're still pushing it. They're still pushing it. So well,
1: you know, in two hundred years. I'm not going to be around to say that they're lying and who's going to who's going to tell that story and and it's one of the things I've come to understand that this guy these guys timelines the Rothschilds I, a student of mine sent me this document absolutely beyond unquestionable authenticity of this document showing that in 1829 the Rothschilds demanded that the sultan of turkey hand them palestine and the sultan of turkey said no thank you very much but 1829, so they have a very long timeline in terms of grabbing Palestine and turning it into Israel. And the right the, the document that I'm talking about says that they wanted to grab Palestine and turn it into Israel, that it describes Zionism without using that word. I don't think it had been invented um, when this report came out. But so these guys have a very, very long timeline. Anyhow, the National Geographic shows video. Somebody sent it to me and said, Galbraith sent me a still from it and says, you recognize this guy? And I said, sure, that's Ted Shackley. Ted Shackley sat at the desk next to Bush and Hunt in the Operation Mongoose office. And this is a guy being arrested outside the book depository, says the narration of the news people showing you this thing so that The leaders of Operation Mongoose were the shooters. They were the only people they could get to be the shooters and Hunt was a sniper, so they figured he was good. Um, He'd be the guy on the knoll. And David Morales was Shackley's first assistant, number one assistant. He was the most important operative in Operation Mongoose. And he told two of his friends and Shane O'Sullivan, RFK Must Die interviewed these guys on camera and both of them tell you very emotional stories about how they were out drinking with Morales and Morales got really drunk and was they'd never seen him like this. And he was just off the handle talking about how he had been in Dallas and participated in murdering Kennedy and that they had murdered RFK as well. Anyhow, um, I made the yeah, point. And then he subsequently all of-
0: died, died of a heart attack. I've actually talked to his son. His son is still around on social media.
1: He went to Washington D.C., met with went drinking with the CIA guys. He was supposed to testify in front of the House Assassinations Committee a week later, and he had a heart attack. And his best friend on camera says, "And the ambulance took three hours to arrive." He says they killed him. That his his best friend has no doubt that the CIA that was a surefire
0: way to get whacked is if you were going to testify in the front of one of those nineteen seventies commissions. Like, so many, of Johnny Roselli died, so many people died suspect- there was even a mobster, I think it was Giancana was supposed to talk he died, like they all died oh, yeah, yeah. they testified, it was just yes. incredible
1: yes the, those, Giancana and Roselli both had big mouths, they, they were proud of their participation in the Kennedy assassination, um, don't ask me, well when you have a, <laughs> a lot more time than we have ask me what they did um, so I, I guess you're right. Let me have a quick look at my notes. Um, so it
0: was Morales, Hunt, um,
1: Shackley, you know, and Bush. And Bush. And I think that accounts for it. I think that's probably all the those guys. Those the main are,
0: shooters. Do you think those are the main?
1: Hit, hit, hit? I suspect that they were the only shooters. Um, there true. was everybody in the office. There were yeah, there two guys
0: and, in the knoll, though, right? Was I, I heard that fairy. Might have been on the grassy knoll helping out. Uh, Hunt, have you ever heard
1: that? Well, hang on two seconds. Let's yeah. David. Perry. The well, you're going to make me go there, and we'll go there, and that's fine. But Lansdale, right. every that's one it. of the people that we mentioned answered to Lansdale, Ed Lansdale, and Lansdale was photographed in Dealey Plaza, and Colonel Proudy saw the picture of Lansdale, and he sent it to Krulak. They both worked with Lansdale on a daily basis, and he sends it to Kruleck and says, "You recognize this guy? This pic- picture was taken in Dealey Plaza." He recognized this guy, and Kruleck says, "Oh yeah, look at the look at that class ring. Look at the weird way he's holding his left arm. Look at the, the hair- haircut. That's Lansdale. What was he doing in Dealey Plaza?" (Parentheses) LOL, it, it, right? Kruleck totally knew what um, Lansdale was doing in Dealey Plaza. I'm quite sure. In any case. Uh, Proudy publishes all of this stuff. So anyhow, Lansdale is the supervisor of these guys. They answer directly to him. He Lansdale's sees them up on a daily It's just
0: a weird
1: basis. It's a very strange. Oh yeah, story. sure. Well, of course. Um, but we're, we're not going to do that story. We're going to do the story of the other Noel shooter. There's this guy, okay, James it. Files. You've certainly heard of James Files.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't, didn't you say yes. he was a stooge? He's fake.
1: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> well, duh. But, but well, except that there, there somebody sent me a flyer. There's a two-day event in Dallas on the 22nd and 23rd. Maybe it's the 21st and 22nd featuring Files, 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 Files for two days. For your audience, Files is some guy who was in prison for killing somebody who managed to get... Um, Jim Mars to come and take his statement that he had been the Knoll shooter. Mars was never overly enthusiastic about what this guy had to say, but he seemed to be very well-informed. Um, he knew details of the assassination that the man on the street would not typically have known, although any, any reputable Kennedy researcher was liable to be um, aware of them. Anyhow, the thing is that, that then people start questioning the limo. People start noticing that there's 20 witnesses who say that the limousine stopped and that therefore the Zapruder film had to have been altered. And Files never said that the limousine stopped. There's a number of things that are wrong with the story that he tells. But the primary failing is that he he says the limousine um, he, he, he fails to mention that the limousine stopped and he says he was the only one on the Knoll now. So he's lying. He says he was in the room with Marita Lorenz. She doesn't mention him, but he says he was in the room with Marita Lorenz and that Oswald was there. Um, and he, I forget whether he says he was working for Nicoletti or Roselli. I, I can't remember. And I, <laughs> I refuse to check because I, I the guy disgusts me. He will, so he's in prison telling the story. And after he finishes telling the story, they let him out. They, they cut 10 years off his sentence and let him out for good behavior by for saying that Hunt is <laughs> innocent. Behavior, right? His main, he says. And how just blatant is that?
0: There's tons of opportunists in almost any environment genre. Well, JFK, if UFOs. If
1: you're somewhere. sitting in prison and they offer you 10 years off your sentence to say that you killed JFK. Are you going to do it or not? I don't know. And I can't answer that question for myself. Am I going to do it it or not? If people are stupid enough to believe me, how is that my bad? You know, anyhow, and I got a life. I got kids. I got a family. I got a life to live. Anyway, um, so the thing is, however, that he, he says a lot of stuff that makes it sound like he was, in fact, driving Uh, driving Nicoletti or whoever might have been there around and one of the things that he describes is after the assassination he says that let's say it's Nicoletti was furious and said you fired too soon and Files claims he blew Kennedy's brains out why would Nicoletti say that he fired too soon if he had blown Kennedy's brains out that doesn't make any sense But suppose for a moment that Files was the driver and that in the back seat is a a mafia knoll shooter. So this is my take. And it's, you know, it's really speculative. And I didn't put it in the video and I wouldn't because it's speculative. But since we're talking about it, let's talk about it. There's uh, Bowers, Lee Bowers was the railroad, right? He's in a tower supervising the railroad. And he says he saw two men in two different spots behind the grassy knoll. There are photo analysts who claim that they see two men in two different spots behind the grassy knoll. There's a very famous witness who was a deaf mute who describes that he saw, right, he was on the railroad overpass and ran to the grassy knoll when the shooting was over and says that he saw two men on the grassy knoll. And how do you explain? Hunt's a professional sniper, and the Secret Service had to wait six seconds for Hunt to shoot Kennedy in the head What sense does that make? Well, I'm going to explain to you what sense it makes, which is that I think the the way I put the dots together is that the CIA had a mafia shooter on the knoll, and that the guy was, if he had been a professional, he wouldn't have taken the job, but he was a lower-ranking idiot, and if you've I've been to the grassy knoll, and I've stood behind the fence, and it's like 30 feet, right? I could shoot somebody in the head not in very, a parked yeah, car.
0: It's not very <laughs> far. It may look wide on the street or the angles of Dealey Plaza. It really isn't that far. It's not far to the car.
1: So, So you didn't need a marksman. And so they get this guy because the CIA wanted to be able to say the mafia did it and you know name the guy even and then but he's dead because we killed him or whatever doesn't matter they wanted a they wanted a mafia shooter to do it they had a mafia shooter to do it and files describes how let's say this shooter had a gun a special gun that only held one bullet and files says that he shot Kennedy just as he went behind the sign well there's a pruder film for all its faults shows that Kennedy went behind the sign and when he emerged, he was clutching his throat. He did get shot by somebody from the front. All the doctors in Dallas said Kennedy had an entrance wound on his throat, somebody on the knoll fired and shot Kennedy from the front. And my take is that Hunt had orders that the mafia guy is supposed to kill him. And Hunt gave the mafia guy six seconds to fire a second shot and the Mafia guy was unable to do it for whatever reason uh, file says it's because he only had a single shot gun it doesn't matter when the clock went tick to six hunt took the move and shot Kennedy in the head and the you know the Secret Service said thank God and stomped on the gas because here's one for you <laughs> here's two for you the, the published motorcade route did not go through Dealey Plaza. Um, I think your audience can visualize, but Kennedy is driving like 10 miles down Main Street, the main thoroughfare going from the airport to Dealey Plaza. And they the car made a right turn that was unscheduled. It was not in the route published in the Dallas Morning News. They made a right turn onto Houston Street, which runs on the north side of Dealey Plaza, and then immediately made a left turn onto Elm Street, which is where Kennedy was shot. <laughs> and why am I telling you this story? <laughs> I've lost it. Anyhow, the, I, I forget. doesn't matter. The point is that cars coming down Elm Street and the mafia shooter... Is an inexperienced fellow and he's got this, you know, magnificent uh scope on his rifle. And when Kennedy is way the hell down the street, he it's an easy shot. The the car's going very straight and very slow because they know that they're they wanted Kennedy to get shot from behind and killed from behind so they could credibly say Oswald did it, but it's a very, very, very difficult shot as any number of people have shown. The movie, if Oswald
0: really did it. He would have shot him while the the car was traveling towards the book deposit. Yeah, was absolutely. Sh-
1: absolutely. There would have been no reason whatsoever to wait until the car had turned the corner. You, yes, of course, you shoot at him when he's coming towards you. And if you miss, you get a shot from closer rather than if you miss, yeah. you get a shot from further away. Anyhow, the point is the mafia shooter being inexperienced shot too soon didn't being inexperienced didn't account for the the um, action of gravity on the bullet over that much, you know, about a hundred yards. And the bullet fell from what would have hit Kennedy in the right eye and hit him instead in the throat. And then this idiot didn't know what to do. Well, so now we can explain why Roselli or whoever it was was, um, in the car with files driving was mad at the Knoll shooter because that guy did shoot too soon. And because he had this stupid rifle, he couldn't shoot a second shot and therefore hunt had to come through. And, you know, it's why he was such a star. It's why, and, and he's also a big mouth. I think I wrote three autobiographies. I have, no doubt that among his friends well and he publishes a picture in his autobiography of him as a sniper he's telling his friends with that picture he's telling his friends in the CIA yes what you have heard about me is true I was the guy who blew Kennedy's brains out well I mentioned that that Nixon told Hall Haldeman to tell the FBI don't investigate hunt you'll uncover the whole Bay of Pigs thing well how would Nixon have known that about hunt of all the people I mean you know that the at least 50 people involved in the assassination in, in Dallas, right? The, somebody has to make sure that Oswald's description goes out over the police radio so that they can have some sort of remotely vaguely, vague justification for arresting him at the theater. Um, right, there's all these little bits and pieces that have to get taken care of. Why would Hunt, of all the people, why would Nixon name him out of all the people, why would Nixon hire him and bring him into the White House? Well, this is the guy who killed Kennedy. You have to give him a job. So that's and but so that's the whole story. That's why Kennedy had a bullet hole in his throat because there was an inexperienced, there were two shooters. One of them was an inexperienced idiot um, who shot Kennedy in the throat. And it's why the Limousine had to stop for six seconds because Hunt was waiting for the guy to get off a second shot and didn't realize that this idiot was so stupid he brought a one shot weapon to the scene. And so that Hunt had to then do it. I, I Hunt think had we to,
0: had to close it, close the deal. Nothing yes, I think, could be left to chance.
1: I think we've dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's.
0: I think so. I think we've covered um, everything. I mean, there's a lot there. there. All your research is really well done. Somebody says there's no evidence for any of what this guy said.
1: I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, watch. You can you you can.
0: You yeah, s- the good news is you can watch the documentary on uh, Vimeo, right? It's on Vimeo. Yes. It's only ninety nine cents for ninety
1: nine cents, and you can watch. They can it on-
0: complain in the comments to you directly to you, right? I'm sorry. I said if they have Say complaints, they can they can comment directly to you
1: on well, Vimeo. My- my email is Hanky H-A-N-K-E-Y, X-J-H-A-N-K-E-Y-X at gmail.com. And if you want, you, you, you can't say I don't have any evidence. You can say that my evidence is wrong. I give you a ton of evidence. Um, And, and if somebody wants to criticize that, I'm very, very, very open to, and you know, I know that I've made mistakes in the past and I will make mistakes in the future. Um, and I'm open to criticism and I love learning and, and advancing my knowledge. And I think that, you know, intelligent conversation between people, finding somebody who will give you an intelligent criticism you can't, you can't beat it. That's really, really, I agree. really I solid, agree. It makes really solid stuff. If
0: somebody's really genuinely worthwhile, I get criticism on my stuff I've done. That's not right. So, it's
1: a um, well, process. the, um, Speaking of criticism, so I, I did JFK2, The Bush Connection, came out again as Dark Legacy, and in it I talk about the fact that there were two ships at the Bay of Pigs, and one got named the Barbara, and one got named the Houston, and um Mark Lane says that that is an indication that Bush was involved in the Bay of Pigs because his wife's name is Barbara, and his business was located in Houston. Well, and just by the way, his company was called operation his company was called Zapata Oil. and the plan for the Bay of Pigs, the code name for it was the official secret name was Operation Zapata. So um and he was
0: he was drilling for oil out in the Caribbean. There's none, like,
1: no like islands. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he was supplying the. He was supplying Operation Mongoose. The ships would come up to him, and they would load them up the with. The cover
0: was he was researching oil around. The yeah, region. of course, sure.
1: and you know I, I understood that when you said it. I, but anyway, um, so maybe somebody somebody,
0: did.
1: somebody criticized me, and I won't even mention the guy's name. He's such a bag of dirt. Um, oh, maybe, but. But he was in charge of Oliver Stone's latest film on the Kennedy assassination. Oliver Stone has come out with, well, he got his name put on. He didn't have anything to do with it, I don't think. Um, right, there's it's like three episodes about the Kennedy assassination. And it's, uh, it's just all so beside the point. I mean, there's so much evidence. Right There's all these FBI memos. There's two FBI memos that name Bush. There's a Dallas Morning News article that names Bush. They all put him in Dallas. They all put him in Operation Mongoose. How can you leave him out? Of a discussion right, his of the community says he
0: wasn't in Dallas he was in like Whitney which is 10 miles outside of Dallas that's
1: Barbara. he never he never said that he his answer was that he was somewhere in Texas um he never tried to put himself um, anyhow the, the point is that so this this idiot Chris criticizes me and says how can you say that um, that two ships one being named the barber and one being named the Houston ties Bush to the Bay of Pigs that's just ludicrous. And the first time the guy criticized me, I I had to agree, you know, yeah, yeah, well, all right. I mean, that's I, I agree. That's not good evidence. And then I stopped and I said, wait a minute. I didn't make that up. I got that from Mark Lane. And then I stopped and said, wait a minute, Mark Lane didn't make that up. He got it from Fletcher Prouty. And then I stopped and said, wait a minute. Fletcher Prouty was in charge of the ships at the Bay of Pigs. And Fletcher Prouty, who was in charge of the names that got put on the Bay of Pigs, says that those names were chosen by Bush and reflected Bush's involvement in the Bay of Pigs operation. Well, if Fletcher Prouty says it, you can take that to the bank, right? There's, there's, no, there's nothing to dispute about it anymore. Um, but so I hadn't had that thought process until this dirtbag bag said that that was bad evidence, that it's not a good argument to say that the uh, the names of the ships tied Bush to the Bay of Pigs. And he was absolutely right. Was
0: a, yes. For me to
1: say it, it's not solid. For Mark Lane to say it is not solid. For Fletcher Prouty to say it is a lock. He Fletcher Prouty knows who put the names on those ships on the Bay of Pigs, and he's either lying and saying it was Bush, or he's telling us the truth, which he is reputed to do, well, right, let's note, Fletcher Proudy is the guy.
0: There's people but, who tried to take Fletcher pretty apart, and they don't do a very good job. I right?
1: <laughs> bet that's right. Well, well, and and Fletcher Prouty says he wrote the trip report that, that Maxwell Taylor quotes from saying, all personnel out by the end of 65, and now we can corroborate that because Professor Galbraith found the Maxwell Taylor memo that has that exact language. Proudy said the most controversial thing he could possibly have said, and it turned out to be absolutely true. That, right? I mean, he went out 20 miles on a limb saying something that every historian on the planet, all the quote-unquote historians, the, the garbage merchants, yes. say that Kennedy had no plan to get out of Vietnam. Oh, man, just line them up. Yeah, they and,
0: said, said Fletcher pretty out of town on November 22nd, 63. Didn't they send him to like... Ar- the Ant- South Ar- Pole. Ar- yeah, something they like that. They sent him
1: to the South Pole. Yeah, like we, like and...
0: They knew he wasn't part of the team. He wasn't part of the plan.
1: Correct. And that's in the movie JFK. Yeah, that I they think they him- said
0: that he said they already had Oswald in the papers before like he got the uh, information from the U.S. or something. When
1: something he landed like- in Australia, they already had a bio... Fair of uh, you write a fourteen-column bio of Oswald with pictures, right. and you know it was hours after the assassination, and he looked at it and said, uh, "This looks like the kind of stuff I would do." <laughs> when I, I was this is brilliant
0: to... intel. Like that's another marker of intel, which is over the whole thing is just strange occurrences and too much knowledge. And too well, much and Proudy,
1: Proudy subsequently, he didn't say it uh, in time for the movie JFK. He subsequently said it was Lansdale, the guy in the photographs who sent him to the South Pole. Oh,
0: man, it was the man's deal. Interesting. Makes perfect sense. Um, uh, the true ugly American, because it changed history, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about 60 years from the day. That really changed history. And we always, talk, I mean, we lost oh. 50,000 people in Vietnam and tons of money, and all these other bums got rich. Johnson ended up dead with like $250 million in the bank.
1: I, I don't believe that's true. Okay, I, I well, I heard he was
0: super true. wealthy. I heard I, he was I, very wealthy.
1: Well, his wife was a good businesswoman, and she had a she owned a radio station, and she was a, a brilliant businesswoman. Um,
0: oh, look at his wealth. But well, look, it was leading up to something, which is 2 million people in Southeast Asia died. Oh, yeah. Hometown ruined and bombed.
1: At least.
0: So, yeah. It was a disaster for them. Um, it's directly tied to the death of John F. Kennedy.
1: And, well, and... I would suggest that the fact that Biden doesn't have a choice about supporting the war in Ukraine. I mean, yeah, what kind of an idiot would support the war in Ukraine? Um, when w- Would walk away from negotiations. And then let me make this point, which is that the United States sponsored a fascist Nazi bloodthirsty coup in 2014. Right, in 2014, the, the u- stupid Ukrainian people had elected a guy who was friendly with the Russians, and so the CIA overthrew him and installed swastika-wearing Nazis who wanted to kill all of the Russian-speaking people in Ukraine. Nikita Nikita Khrushchev was from Ukraine and had nothing but warm feelings about his, his youth spent in Ukraine. And all of the border area of Ukraine that borders with Russia is completely dominated to say the least by people who speak Russian. And so these, these Nazis come in, holy crap, Baba Yar. When, when I was a, an English student, there's a very, very famous poem written by Yevgeny evdeshenko called Baba Yar about the, I think the slaughter in one day of 60,000 Jewish men, women and children in Ukraine by the Ukraine Nazis. So these guys are not half Nazis. They are uber Nazis. And this is who the U.S. put into power. And the minute that they did, the minute that they did Crimea, which is 100 percent Russian and has always been. Um, when they were dismantling the Soviet Union, I don't know why, but Gorbachev decided that he was going to give Crimea to Ukraine. Whatever. And, terrible you know, decisions. The, yeah, terrible well, decisions. whatever it, it does. It depends. It depends. I'm not sure it's a terrible decision until there's a coup, right? If there's a democracy, it might not be such a terrible decision, but there was a coup and people will be familiar. The people of Crimea immediately said, we are now leaving Ukraine and we're going to schedule an election to vote on it. And they voted on it, you know, 99 to one. They voted that they were leaving Ukraine and they left Ukraine and the Russians stepped up and said, "Uh, and we're going to defend that decision. And then the people, the Nazis in Kyiv started bombing people in eastern Ukraine, the Russians in the eastern part of Ukraine, and those people tried to defend themselves. And eventually they said, well, we're going to do the same thing. And they declared themselves independent and they held elections and they voted. It's not quite as predominantly Russian as Crimea is, so the vote might have been 80 to 20. um, But they voted overwhelmingly to... They didn't vote to join Russia. They voted to separate and to be their own country so that the Russians didn't invade Ukraine. They, and they didn't invade these separate countries. They were invited into these countries that had declared their independence from the Nazis in Kyiv and said, you know, we want to have a democratic government. We don't want to have a fascist government. And we don't want to have a fascist government that hates Russians russian-speaking people and so that the the i'll say that again for clarity the russians didn't invade ukraine they invaded these independent republics that had declared their independence when the united states backed a fascist nazi coup in kiev and took over ukraine without an election uh, overthrowing the democratically elected government anyhow and then, in then getting
0: rid of all opposition parties shooting yes. Christians I mean it's really a, a nightmare over there and I what can't is Biden one, one dollar one dollar one over there
1: is a, a, what a, is like, Biden doing taking being on the such the flagrantly wrong side and and refusing to back peace talks I mean the the Russians right the Russians I've mentioned this Jeffrey Sachs was talking to the German Chancellor who was in the negotiations and the, the German Chancellor says oh yes the the Russians had agreed to withdraw And the Russians had agreed that all that the U.N. would supervise elections and they people would vote and they would vote to be part of Ukraine or they would vote to leave Ukraine and that both sides would honor the result of those U.N. supervised elections. And that was going to be the basis of the peace. And the U.S. came in and said, you can't do that. We don't support democratic elections. We don't support democratic governments. What's the matter with you? we got to have a war and kill. Jesus, kill Uh, 600,000. yeah. Now, and for, for the wounded. I mean, right? I, 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 I know I, I knew probably 20 people who went to Vietnam and all of them came back messed up. Right. If you if you didn't get killed, you didn't come back with your mental Same, health. Yeah. Impact. Okay. And and Easily affected, yeah.
0: no, and they spent a hundred yeah. billion dollars. I got to run.
1: By okay. the
0: way, when LVJ died, it was ninety eight million dollars. Where can people okay. see breakthrough JFK murder assault?
1: Thank you. Um, I, Vimeo, you can see the four minute trailer, which will tell you <laughs> pretty much It'll tell you a lot. Four minute trailer is a long trailer for 99 cents. You can watch it for four dollars. You can buy it at Vimeo. Darkroom.film has several of my videos on them. All the ones that we mentioned, I believe, are up on darkroom.film. And I think you can see them for free if you sit through a couple of commercials. And in fact, I'm not sure they have the commercials set up to go yet. So you, you, today you get to watch them. And I, if you wanna do me a favor, you will go to um, Prime Amazon, not Prime, because they, they they took all my stuff down from Prime. It was all up and they took it all down from Prime. But you can still buy the DVD, buy the DVD and open it up and steal the file from inside and and have it on your computer So anyway. It, Anyway, buy the DVD so that when they completely erase me, when they assassinate me and completely erase all my work. And They're you in can get.
0: They're going to well, memory hold this. When, I'm, when you and me are gone, this will all uh, be memory uh, hold.
1: Well, right. A hundred years from now, you can hand that, you can will that DVD to your great, great grandkids, and they'll be able to watch it and know what the truth is. Anyhow.
0: Oh can you imagine if they can maintain the lie that JFK was killed by Lee Harvey Oswald? Oh, you have no
1: idea. You have no idea. The War of 1812. In, in 1815, everybody in the United States knew that the Rothschilds had created the war in 1812 because James Madison wanted to have the United States government in charge of the United States Bank instead of the Rothschilds. You can find that if you look hard enough. You can find that story. If you can find a book that's 100 years, 150 years old.
0: John, you know what? Yes. I'm going to cut this short. We'll do another show on the Rothschilds. You can prove that. Prove that there are malefactors behind a lot of stuff.
1: Okay. I Thanks so run. much for having me, William. John really, Hankey, really AJ, it.
0: and KUY. great to talk with you. Thanks for sharing all that information. Have a good one. Have a good weekend. Okay, you Everybody, too. I got to run.
1: Cheers. Cheers.